Hi, I'm Dan Mac, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today is Thursday, June 25th. Bank stocks are up. Coronavirus vaccine developer Moderna has seen its stock go down, which we'll explain later. And we're focused on what happened after Black-owned bookstores went viral. In the midst of weeks of Black Lives Matter protests following the death of George Floyd, lists of anti-racism books and of Black-owned bookstores began appearing all over social networks like Instagram. You might have seen some of them. I certainly did. Now, the proprietors of those bookstores are trying to fill hundreds of thousands of orders, often for just a handful of titles. Now, this sounds great in theory, and it was certainly well-intentioned. But in practice, this is much more complicated. Many of the booksellers simply don't have enough of the specific books listed on those posts. So they order more, but publishers don't have enough in stock. So the publishers call their printers, who now are rushing to catch up. In the meantime, customers wait, and in some cases, vent their frustrations on, you guessed it, social media. Again, this is a challenge that involves the entire publishing food chain, but most of the spotlight has been on bookstore owners like Danielle Mullen, the founder of Semicolon Books in Chicago. She spoke with the New York Times earlier this week and wants to push back against this idea that the situation has, quote, overwhelmed proprietors like herself. We'll talk to Danielle in 15 seconds about how her shop handled the initial shock of the pandemic and the current deluge of orders. But first, this. We're joined now by Danielle Mullen, the founder and proprietor of Semicolon Books in Chicago. Let's start out before the protests. How was your store doing in the midst of the coronavirus? In the midst of the coronavirus, we were actually doing surprisingly well. People had gotten back to the space where they were buying books again. So that was cool, but we had to extremely limit our hours in order to stay afloat and to make sure that we could still pay people and have them in the space safely. But we weren't doing anywhere near as well as we've been since the protests began. Let's start with this. When did you first realize that your shop was being featured on some of these lists that had begun going viral? I think my store manager and I, we run our social media and our DMs went from five to 10 per day to about a thousand wow. per day. And so we were just really curious as to what the influx was and where it came from. And so we started looking and seeing where people were tagging us and we saw that everybody was tagging us on these different posts. These lists seem to be obviously well-intentioned. From your perspective, do you think the people who share them, who write them, et cetera, is it good intentions without necessarily thinking out all the practical consequences of it? I think that's how good intentions work. Uh, <laughs> I think that people had the best intentions, but they took a half-hearted approach because if you actually had good intentions and wanted to teach people, you would actually want to do some research first on what books to suggest. And I think that's where a lot of people went wrong. A lot of the books that are even being suggested are not particularly helpful to what these groups of people are trying to do and learn and become. Nevertheless, they're out there at this point. So what can you do? We're going to get back to that. But since you said that, I'm going to ask what was going to be my last question now, which is give us one or two book recommendations, books that you think people should be ordering right now relevant to the moment that they perhaps haven't been. I always steer people toward fiction. I believe that empathy comes directly from knowing someone's story. And I think that fiction tells our story a little better. So Octavia Butler, Parable of the Sower, every time. It is excellent. It is pertinent to the times that are happening right now. Afrofuturism, any N.K. Jemison, I always suggest that. 
Fantastic. Let's now go back to the business part. So there is this group of books, it seems, that got ordered, as you said, that kind of started an incredible number of orders coming in. How are you dealing with both on the customer front and on the publisher front? <laughs> well, on the customer front, I like to be honest with people. I'm like, first, a lot of those books are trash. You don't want those. But if you must, <laughs> then you should know that it's going to be a three to six week wait. And we can't know when they're coming in. So you got to relax. And then on the publisher front, I'm not particularly concerned about the publisher front. They'll get the books to us when they get them. The thing is that none of these books are particularly new. <laughs> so, you know, they've been on sale for years. It's just nobody wanted them. And so I think it's important to recognize that there's nothing we can do to increase output <laughs> as booksellers. We just have to wait until the publishers are able to get it done. So I don't hound the publisher or anything like that. We just wait. When you tell that to customers, has the response mostly been, okay, that makes sense? What's the response been like? Some people are like, that makes sense. We're fine with waiting. We still want to support. Other people have been like, well, that's ridiculous. Why can't you get them? What can you do? To which we say, we think you should likely take your business elsewhere because we don't feel like it. Um, I can't explain the entire industry to you. I can't fix this issue myself. You should probably go somewhere else. What do you wish more people who have been hearing about, not just your experience, but experiences of other people who own bookstores, particularly women of color who own bookstores, should understand kind of about running a bookstore in this time when you do have these two kind of massive macro things happening, you know, the protests and COVID? Yeah, I think people should understand that, first of all, as a black woman bookseller, the last thing I even care to do is teach you about why you should do a better job of researching and what you're reading to fix yourself. I don't care to do that. The second to last thing I particularly care to do is explain to you why you can't have what you want right now, mostly it's because that's not how life works. And that's definitely not how this situation works. My booksellers are very chill, very laid back. Anybody who supports my bookstore or has been there understands that fully. <laughs> and so I'm not too concerned. We do what we do, how and when we can do it, and nothing else matters. There have been lots and lots of stories about how, particularly at the beginning of the coronavirus, how folks started frequenting local bookstores or independent bookstores, in part just, A, because they wanted something to read because they were locked up in their houses, but also, you know, support a business that is otherwise going to be hit particularly hard by this. And obviously, the stuff we've been talking about today. Do you feel that either of these trends are going to have legs? In other words, if we're talking five months, six months, that kind of a lot of these new customers are still customers of yours? Surprisingly, yes. I think that once they become customers and they get to know us or they get to work with us, even if it's only via email, they're really, really excited about basically our take on what book selling looks like. So I think that we'll be able to hold on to about 65 to 75 percent of the new customers that we've gotten. Danielle Mullen, Semicolon Books is the store. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Moderna, the Massachusetts biotech company that's furthest along on a COVID-19 vaccine. Axios this morning obtained documents showing that the National Institutes of Health actually may own part of that drug based on a pre-pandemic agreement to jointly develop vaccines for coronaviruses as a broad category. Why it matters is that this could raise big new questions about why one vaccine gets approved first over another. And for Moderna shareholders, it may mean less control over that magic formula. And that's probably why its share price is down today. 
Axios reporter Bob Herman, who broke the story, explains more. It means a few things. It all depends on what the federal government ultimately wants to do. But if it gets co-ownership, it could take the vaccine and license it to competitors, to other vaccine manufacturers, even the World Health Organization. And it could even do so without the consent of Moderna. Again, that assumes that it has full co-ownership patent rights. But if that's the case, it could basically stipulate terms of how affordable this drug should be and how it should be supplied. Today, we're also watching U.S. jobless claims, which came in at 1.5 million for the last week. That represents a continued decrease since the peak in March, which is good news, but it's also still more than twice the pre-pandemic record, which is bad news. And speaking of a good news, bad news scenario, Texas today paused its economic reopening plans. That's good news because it could help stem the bad news, which is this massive surge of coronavirus cases, including a particular hotspot in Houston that's threatening to overwhelm its hospital system. But in a part of the South that is making some progress, Disney today announced it will rework its popular Splash Mountain rides in both Florida and California, changing the movie inspiration from Song of the South to The Princess and the Frog. How come? Well, because Song of the South is widely considered racist, and you don't have to take my word for it. Disney itself has basically kept the actual movie hidden for years. No date yet, though, on when you'll get to see Tiana before plunging down the watery flume. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. I would have said have a great national handshake day, but we don't do that anymore. So instead, have a great national catfish day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.